Hey, Podbean people, this is Dr. Kathy Williams, Reverend Kathy Williams, the former chaplain, Kathy Williams, whatever you want to call me, Kathy Williams, Kathy, it all works. Hey, I'm back um, again. I started these podcasts um, as a recommendation from my niece, Tara, who said, oh, you need to share more stories from being a chaplain in the prison. And so um, I had to do some praying about that and wonder, well, which stories would benefit you know, other people. So uh, as I've been up early this morning, and it's in the wee early morning hours uh, in the Midwest, um, I, I thought about how we can't be afraid of the people that God has assigned to us for us to make a difference in their lives. And so we just cannot spend our energy trying to decide what we know about somebody when we don't know somebody. That's where we are dependent on the Spirit of the Lord. So I have two stories to tell you from the prison. Uh, one evening, um, the, the, for, the, for the state that I am in, the, the people who are serving sentences go down for what is called a count several times a day, which means literally they're all returned to their housing unit and they are physically counted so that everyone knows where everyone is and no one has escaped, hopefully. Um, but uh, one evening, it was time for me to release the men that were in the chapel back to their housing units to prepare for a count, uh, usually with about a 15 to 20 minute gap between the dismissal and the actual starting of the count. And there was a gentleman who was uh, uh, older, had done quite a bit of time, quite a bit of time. And, and um, he had worked his way up to being in a lower security level. So for him, being a medium security facility was a difference for him. He had gone from spending decades in a one-man or two-man cell to being in a setting with 50 other men, two layers, uh, bunks, and so forth. And so he came to me when it came time to release for count. And he said, I'm not going back to my housing unit. Well, of all the things anybody had ever said to me, that had not been one of them. And so I said, sir. And he said, I'm not going back to my housing unit for count. And he said, I'm going to hurt whoever I have to hurt and do whatever I have to do. But I'm not going back to count now. I heard what he said. I'm going to hurt whoever I have to hurt. But I didn't think he meant me. And and so I said, well, sir, come on my office and let's see if we can't find somebody who can help you. Now, this gentleman had um, tattoos. He was bald. He had shaved his head. But his whole head was tattooed, you know, the neck, the whole thing. So anyway, uh, that's just part of the setting of the story. I get to him to my office with this gentleman and and I said tell me what's going on and he just said he said chap I can't handle it I can't handle it he said I can't handle being with all them dudes he said you don't know what it's like he said I'm not going back I'm not going back it can take me back to maximum security whatever they need to do but I ain't going back and uh and so I said okay well tell me what's going on how can I help and he said, chap, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to hurt whoever I have to hurt. There it was again. But I ain't going back. But I still didn't think he meant me. You know, I, I heard what he was saying. 
but in my spirit, I just didn't think he meant me. Now, I know for custody rules, that's not the greatest uh, rule to go by. You know, well, I didn't think, this, you know, he meant me. But uh, <clears throat> I said, well, let's see if I can't get you some help. So I picked up the phone and I called to the checkpoint officer who stays outside of the chapel, but is watchful of the chapel. That officer came into my office and I told him the situation. I said, can you speak to a sergeant or someone, see what we can do to get him some help. Uh, but instead of staying there, he leaves me. Now, keep in mind, I said it was time for count. That means that everybody else had left. That means all of my clerks were gone. The 12 men who worked for us, everybody was gone. They had to go. And so I'm by myself in my office with this man who is upset. He's irate. He's, he's clearly stating, I'm going to hurt somebody. And, um, and so while the officer was gone, um, I've always said this is where my single parent skills kick in because I'm going to look calm. No matter what's going on in my head or, you know, what, I'm going to look calm. And so I said to the gentleman, I said, now look. You've already had a stressful day, a uh, stressful period of time. I understand that. And I said, but let's see how we can work together. And he said, I know what people think of me. They just look at me and, and they see all my tats and, and they think, you know, he hard. I'm all tech. I said, you know what? I mean, I see them. Clearly, I see them. But I said to me, you just one of my guys in church. And I don't I don't judge that. And, and, and so then he kept talking about how he was going to hurt somebody. And I said, listen, let me ask you a question. God in heaven, I don't know where this question came from. And let me set the pace for those of you that have never met me. I'm old. I'm old. I'm Social Security old. I'm big. I mean, I'm big, big. I'm, I'm multi-X big. That means I'm out of shape. That means I can't run. I can't fight. All I can do, it, you know, the, it, thank God the scripture said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So I said to this brother, listen, you've already had a stressful day. Now, you know, when the sergeant comes in, he's going to have a couple of guys with him. Probably he's going to ask you to stand up and face that wall. And then he's going to pat you down. If he finds a weapon, you know it's going to get ugly. You know they're going to put you on the floor and all. you don't need all that drama. Can I ask you, sir, do you have any weapons on you right now? He reached down in his pants and he said, yeah, I got my shank with me. He pulled out this dagger looking thing. I mean, this wide blade looking thing. And in my head, I'm screaming like, no, but I'm still cool on the outside. And so I just said to him calmly, listen. You've been coming to church a long time. You know what I'm about. Do you trust me enough to just put it on my desk and let go of it? I don't want to see it go on the floor. Let's just take care of this as quietly as possible. Do you know that that gentleman put that thing on my desk? Hallelujah to God be the glory. And so just in that timing, that officer showed up again. He sees the shank on my desk, and I'm giving him credit because he was cool. He walked between me and the guy and just picked it up on his way by. And so then when the sergeant came in, it got kind of funny because the sergeant came in. He's kind of rolled his eyes. He said, man, what you doing? And dude said, hey, Sarge, how you doing? He said, man, I ain't going back to that housing unit. 
He said, well, look, can we discuss this in SEG so we can get count rolling? He said, yes, yeah, Sarge, that's fine. And so the bottom line is the guy went out. I don't know what happened to him. I never did see him again in church. I'm assuming he got his way and went back out to the maximum security housing where he got back into a two-man cell where life was good for him because that was the routine that he was accustomed to. So there's one of my stories of don't judge people by their appearance. Now I got another tattoo guy story for you. As chaplains, we have to give notifications if someone has died in someone's family, someone that is incarcerated. We give them notice. So I got a notification one day uh, that I had to go out to what was called the annex, which was a maximum security housing area, um, to give a guy a notice. And so I went out there. They let me in a case manager's office. And uh, I sat down. One of my habits was when I was especially in that area, uh, while the officers were going to get the person who was um, incarcerated and bring them to me, escort them to me, I was busy clearing things from the case manager's desk that a person could perhaps pick up and hit me with it or throw it at me, like staplers, you know, other the move the phone back a little bit, this various things. And so that way it didn't look like I was, you know, treating them differently. But for my own peace of mind, I removed objects that could easily be turned to a weapon. And so the guy came in and he was so tattooed, including horns on his forehead, looking like a devil. And I said, oh, Lord, he ain't going to want to talk to me. And so, but nevertheless, uh, you know, you don't judge people. And so the gentleman sat down and I told him what happened. His mom had passed away and we called his sister. And toward the end of the call, I could feel the Spirit of the Lord urging me to do something that I had never done before with a phone call like that. Uh, Because proselytizing is actually illegal in a correctional facility, so you have to be very careful about how you say anything about anything. Uh, A lot of legalities involved. But before the gentleman hung up, I said, wait, could before you hang up, may I ask you to ask your sister something? He said, yes, ma'am. I said, may I pray for your family? He said, yes, ma'am. And I said, now, I'm a Christian, so that's the only way I know how to pray. Is that all right? He said, yes, ma'am. So I got the phone, got his sister, and I prayed for that family. It was incredible. The power of God just opened up on that phone call. The sister was crying and sobbing. And before she hung up, she said, tell my brother that I love him and I forgive him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we hung up the call. Then the man looks at me, he points to all of his tattoos, including the horns on his forehead, and he said, thank you, chaplain, for not judging me. He said, this is just some stupid stuff I did when I was a kid. Now here I am, you know, in my 40s, still looking like something dumb I did when I was a teenager. And I said, ah, it's all right. None of us really want to be judged by our appearance. We want to be judged. The Bible said to be judged by the heart. And I said, so I I thank you. I keep praying for you and your sister, your family. If you need anything from the chapel, please let me know. So to God be the glory. People, listen. We cannot judge the very people that we're supposed to be uh, on a kingdom assignment about. We cannot look at people and think we know anything about them or their circumstance or what got them to that moment in time. But are we available to be used by God for anybody, anytime, anywhere? That 
is kingdom business. And my question to you today is, are you ready for kingdom business? Blessings to all.